Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Super excited for this morning uh, and to have a couple friends share a little bit about what God's doing and what God's been doing in and through them. Um, this month, one of the things we really wanted to do is focus on on being the priesthood in practical ways. And um, last week, uh, you got to hear from Dylan and Joanna as Kyle kind of interviewed them about the, thing, the way they're being priests, um, where they live, and in their normal flow of life. Um, it's, it's really easy, I think, for us, and, and, and I think of this about myself, and I think a lot of us are in this context. Um, in a lot of ways, I think because of the culture that we live in and how we are, how we grow up and, and how the way we interpret and internalize things, we are really good at getting a lot of information it's the putting that stuff into practice that is hard. Um, it's the actually doing the things that we've supposedly learned and, and putting them into action. Um, and, and so one of the things that we felt was really important was to, to help us because a lot of times we learn things and we say, we, we like, I don't know, for me, I, I think I thought, well, yeah, I, I'm, su- I'm super excited to like put this into practice, but a lot of times we're not sure what that looks like. And it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, how do I do this? I've got some stirrings, I've got some ideas, but, but where do I go with this? And, and so I think God has placed within the body people who he's led to these different places and they're doing things. And not that we have to do things exactly like someone else, but sometimes it's really helpful to see what other people, how other people are, are, are living out their priest, their priest disciple making and how they're living and how they're working um, to get, get an idea and to take that next step. And so this morning I have Leroy and Tom up here and they're gonna share. And so I'm gonna turn it over to Leroy and he's gonna kind of introduce himself and then just kind of share, share what, what he's been doing, what God has led him to do and uh, kind of give you the story, uh, kind of the, the, the condensed story of um, how the Holy Spirit's been ministering through him and his family for quite a while now. So, Leroy, I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited uh, for you to again share your story. Again, share my story. I'm worn out already from the first service. (laughs) Hi, I'm Leroy Lucas. Um, This is my wife over here, Deb. Uh, We um, have been doing a taco night on Mondays for over 20 years, and we have what we would all call here a a small group that meets on Thursday. And um, I'll tell you this, the, how the taco night got started. It started as a way to stay connected with our family. We raised five daughters, and when we moved uh, to Modesto in 2000 from the Bay Area, three of our daughters were already out of the home. And so it was a way for us to stay connected. We all started meeting together on a Monday night over tacos, which everyone likes tacos, so it's an easy thing to to get people to come and and be excited about. Um, But it started to grow. Our friends like tacos too, so they started coming on Monday night to be with us. My my kids' friends started coming over, and now my grandkids and their friends are coming over. Over the last 20 years, it's just grown to this thing where everyone's invited, and we have people from all over who show up. Um, 
we uh, just realized at a certain point that this is more than a family taco night. This is, this is ministry. It's happening. Our home is being used to reach all kinds of people that left on our own we couldn't reach, but as a group we could reach out to. So that's taco night, and it's open to everyone. And um, we get, uh, for, for me and my wife, there's only two groups of people. There's born-again followers of Jesus and seekers. That's how we view it. We don't do the non-Christian, Christian thing, seekers. Everyone's created in the image of God, and everyone needs to know Jesus. So that's how we view it. And we've got all kinds of people that come and go. We have uh, friends who have been with us for 10, 20 years, and we get new people as well, often. Um, so that's taco night. Uh, the Thursday night group started off as a small group, but we've intentionally expanded that to be more than that. It has become what we call a little gospel community or a lighthouse or a parish. And in that group, we're, we're studying the word, we're reading the word, but we're praying for each other, we're ministering to each other, we're correcting each other. It's this, only more intimate, smaller. And, and that's not all. Our, every day we have something going on with other people. It's, it's very re relational. So we, I have no problem viewing Christianity and church, church as a family, and that's what you really experience when you come into our home, the family experience. Um, I'll go a little different way. When I first became a Christian in 85, when I was born again, I was immediately cured, healed from an addiction, and I immediately understood God the Father, God the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. What I had a hard time understanding, because it didn't line up with what I read in the book of Acts, was the church. Big organization, how does this work? How is this family? And what we came to recognize is in our home, with a smaller group of people, we could actually live out what you read in Acts, that people came together, they celebrated, they took communion. Everyone had something to share. And that's what our group has become, both on a Monday night for tacos and more in depth on a Thursday night. And it doesn't stop there. Our, our ministry is about hospitality. It's about loving people. It's about having an open door policy. People can come in and stay and talk. And the, the first thing that we want people to know is that we love them. Because as I was talking earlier in our culture, people don't believe what you say. People believe what you do. So the first thing that we do is we listen, we feed people, and we love them, and eventually we earn the right and the respect to share who we are. And that's how we minister through our home. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Also sounds exhausting. Um, <laughs> he said this last time. <laughs> I'm even more tired now. It still sounds exhausting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think one of the one of the interesting things that, that you you share um, th one the, that you you said you know you see your house as a, as a lighthouse uh, where people are welcomed and I think um, a couple things that that we in our culture um, it, 
it seems to me, and I don't know if this sounds, sounds overkill or if it just sounds accurate, because it seems accurate to me. It seems like our homes are more fortresses than lighthouses, because our homes are the safe place where we go and we don't have to you know, work hard. We, we want a place that's calm and peaceful and convenient and comfortable and that. And, and, and what you're basically doing is you are sacrificing that fortress mentality and saying our house is, is a place where we do the work of what God has called us to um, versus being a place I come and I just rest. I think it's more work to build a fortress than it is to mm. build a lighthouse. Because when you're building a lighthouse, you have the Holy Spirit empowering you. Wow. When you build a fortress, you have you empowering you. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, the other thing that you said that, that, really, that really I think sticks out is um, the idea that it, it doesn't matter what you say, it's what you do. Um, and, and one of the things I, I'd been kind of working through um, lately is, is um, I and maybe a lot of us in here come from a tradition of strong statements. Um, you know, we have a statement of faith. We have um, very strong and, and very thought through and refined doctrinal statements and, and things like that. Um, and, and like what I was thinking was, was actually like, for example, um, I, I, I have a strong statement of the doctrine of hell, that hell is a is, is eternal um, conscious torment um, that a person who is apart from Jesus ends up at the end of their life. If, they, if they've not been forgiven and, and restored and, and redeemed by Jesus, that's where they go. I have, a, I have a statement, but here's the problem. If I really believe that, that every person who doesn't know Jesus is going to be in eternity in an eternal conscious torment, how does my speech and my behavior show that I believe that? Because honestly, if it comes down to my speech and my behavior, it might betray that either I don't actually believe that or I believe that a lot of people deserve that. I don't know that it matters what you put down in your statement. What I think matters is how you live. Like, we are so all about written statements. We're not about living statements. Um, and, and, and I think that, that just, you know, that hits me what you said. And I think, that's, I think that's something that in a lot of ways we have missed, somehow missed or ignored, because it's honestly, it's just inconvenient and really exhausting. But if I believe those things, does my life communicate that? Um, am I telling people God loves them? Or am I loving them and showing them that God loves them? I think you feel the weight of the guilt about that, about people going to hell, if you're not walking in the Spirit and sharing your life with others. And if you are, yeah, that is something we all know that. But I, I mean, I really can't wrap my head around what that looks like. It's almost, it's, I can't imagine it. It's not what motivates me. What motivates me is the power of the Holy Spirit in me, allowing me to do his work. I'm, I know that. I know that that's what's going to happen, but it's almost inconceivable to me. But love casts out all fear. I'm not afraid of that. I'm going to operate out of love, and I'm going to share that love with others. And you know what? Um, 
I know that God's got this. I don't know the answers. I don't know how that works. But I do know that everything, even God's judgment, is filtered through his love. So I leave that up to him. Yeah, um, I don't know. I reserve the right to, to take this back, and you might shoot me, but um, I don't know that it matters what you believe about hell. What matters is that we are absolutely living in the urgency of letting people know that Jesus loves them and died for them for their restoration. Um, and if, and if, if that's what we're doing, I don't know if it matters what, what, I, what I actually have as a statement. I reserve the right to take that back, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Tom, um, so you, uh, you've got a cool story. And um, again, many of you probably know Tom because Tom's been a pastor here at, at, at Crosspoint for a number of years and since retired. Um, and you're on a really cool journey that the Holy Spirit has you and Lori on. And so I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit of your story. Yeah, it was just a little over a year ago. My wife and I like to walk in our neighborhoods on occasion, not near as frequently as we would like to. But uh, we were out on one of our walks, and uh, we got about a block from our house, and we ended up walking in front of uh, a new neighbor's house. He had moved in about three years prior, and we had not met him yet, and uh, he and his wife, and uh, I didn't even know what they looked like. And uh, we happened to be walking around the cul-de-sac and right in front of their mailbox just as he was coming out to get the mail. So I had an opportunity to introduce ourselves, and. Uh, I wanted to ask him about three beautiful trees that he has out in his front yard. I've always wondered about what kind of trees they were. They're majestic. And uh, so uh, he told me a little bit about them and then invited us into his house, which that doesn't happen very often. And uh, so we went ahead and went in and we started having a little bit more conversation taking place there. And uh, he ended up asking me what I did for a living. And uh, I kind of gave him a history of what I did, which included being a pastor here at the church. And uh, uh, so that my wife noticed that that kind of piqued his interest a little bit. So he wanted to know a little bit more. So we shared a little bit more. And then he shared a little bit about who he was. And it ended up that he was a pastor of uh, several different churches uh, for the last 20-some years. And uh, that he um, is venturing, had ventured off into a new endeavor. And that is to uh, have a disciple-making ministry outside the church and just have his own nonprofit disciple-making ministry, and uh, proceeded to tell us just a little bit about what that was all about, and that he had developed a website, he's really coaching people all, all over the world, actually, on how to become disciples and disciple-makers, and which was very interesting to me. Uh, so uh, it was about a month later that he contacted us again and said he wanted to go through how he goes about doing that and present his two-hour presentation to us, and how to go about maybe considering doing that for ourselves. And so we said, how could we say no to that? So, so we said yes, and we had our two-hour uh, hour meeting over in, in his house with he and his wife and Lori and I. And uh, Lori and I came home going, oh, man, this is, this is pretty intense and pretty stretchy type of things to even consider doing. Uh, but uh, we uh, committed to pray about that and consider that. And uh, that wasn't long after that where the Lord says to go for it and let's get together and talk some more. And since then, we've been meeting every week uh, and uh, initially going through some, some methods that he goes about doing that. And uh, then it rolled into actually being a prayer meeting that we have every week now, uh, now that the training part is done. 
and we pray together with another guy that's entered in, 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 has entered into the same process that we were in. So uh, that's been life-changing for us. So it is super interesting that what you're kind of talking about is that here in this season of your life, you are learning about how to make disciples. <laughs> Anyone not see the irony in that? <laughs> um, I, and, and I think that's the process that God's been taking me through. But, but like, if I, I could share know, just a little, share bit. A little bit, I've, I've um, as I kind of, I've been focusing on a couple of scriptures. Really, one of them is the great commandment is to go out to to love the Lord your God with everything that you have, all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that is what Jesus has said to do. That's what that wraps up basically all the Old Testament into loving God and loving others. That's what we're to be about. And as I internalized that, I thought, okay, I, I was okay doing that. But then when he got to the other commandment, which is to the Great Commission, was to go out and, and share the word with everybody. Um, uh, and I was not doing that. I was, not, I was pretty much sharing within the church, but I wasn't going out and making disciples of all nations. Um, and teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded them to do. And I was not good at going out and doing that. I was good at staying here and doing that, or staying within my home and doing that, but not out in the world. So that was a big life change thing for me. So I had really a, a, a holy discontent with my, my um, ability to do that part of the Great Commission. Yeah, yeah and, and I think... It is so easy, and I'll just talk from experience, it is really easy for me in my position to dis dismiss or excuse myself from that very thing that Jesus, literally, if you've, if you've ever thought about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it's literally the last thing Jesus in his incarnate self in the flesh, it, these are the last words he gives us. Like super, like usually the last word you leave with somebody before you go somewhere is the thing they, they do not want you to forget. <laughs> and these are the last words. Go, therefore go, and, and, and he, he says, and go and make disciples of all people, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And lo, I'll be with you till the end of the age. And like that was the last thing he says. And for so many, like how many of us really are doing that? And I'm a pastor. Tom is, is successfully been a pastor, and he's retired, and he's learning these things. And I think it, it is so, it is unbelievable to me that, that the church of Jesus Christ can somehow get away with not doing the last thing he asked us to do. You know, it's interesting because it is hard. It's inconvenient. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's not... It's not something that the world sees as normal. But here's, here's the thing, and I want to share this with you. I was in a place recently where it is, it, is a closed, it is a closed context, which means that you cannot evangelize or proselytize. You can't tell people about Jesus in the hopes to, for them to come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. You're not allowed to do that. And I got to meet with a guy who um, is, 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 a, is a native of that place, 
um, moved out for a while, and then um, brought his family back to that place. And as a family, they are doing a disciple-making ministry, um, like what Tom's talking about. And, and they're opening their home. And he's got three kids. His oldest is, is 13. And so I actually got to meet with this guy to hear about what, what he's doing. And so he brought his 13-year-old son with him to meet together. And so he was talking, and his son interrupted, and he said, he said Dad, uh, can, I, can I share some things? So a 13-year-old boy says that he, in his school, he is discipling other kids, where he could be arrested for that. His whole family could be arrested. They, they, are, they are citizens of this place, and arrest is probably the most minor thing that could happen because of what he's doing. He's, he's, in, he's in a club where he is friends with and pursuing discipleship with another kid whose dad is one of the most powerful people in this whole country. I <laughs> felt convicted and a little bit of a failure and amazed at listening to this 13-year-old kid. And it was interesting, before, before I went on this trip, I um, saw a quote by a well-known pastor here in the States, and he was weighing in on the, on the kind of school debate in our country and um, how the public schools, there's a lot of, just to be honest, there's a lot of things that aren't true being taught in the public schools today. Um, there's a lot of things that aren't true about who people are and the nature of people and um, the realities. Um, so it's a hard thing. And so there's, as you probably are well aware, there's a, a debate about what to do about that. And, and so this pastor weighed in and he, he made a statement. He said, um, in the idea of letting your kids go to the public school, he said, um, our kids are not missionaries if you want to be a missionary to the public schools, then you go work there. There's a 13-year-old kid in a country where there's great risk to himself, and he is in a school pursuing discipleship with other kids at risk of his freedom and his family's freedom. He's a disciple. When are we going to, under the lordship of Jesus, see that our kids are disciples of Jesus Christ, and when do we let them be disciples? And that just overwhelmed me. Because I'm sitting in front of a 13-year-old kid who's doing more than I've done in discipling the lost. And he's done it in a much harder context, in a much more difficult place. And, and, and so I think, I think, you know, hearing Tom and, and having talked with Tom and, and hearing about just his passion and, like, what God's been doing, and I, and I don't mean this as an as a, as a insult, Tom, but it is never too late, okay? Um, it is never too late to step up and obey what Jesus has called us to do. 
Um, and I say that with lots of love. <laughs> I'm feeling it. <laughs> so Leroy, um, I, I kind of said that jokingly, but, but seriously, like, it seems like what you guys have done with your home seems to me to be, for me, seems uncomfortable and inconvenient. Um, I guess talk to us about the cost and the, the joy and the reward and the sacrifice. Like, what does this look like for you and your wife who've done this for 20 years, opened your home, and you don't, you're not controlling who's coming into your house? Thank God. <laughs> I, one of the things you learn is how little control you really have. But it's okay if you're leaning into the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit. I am not in control. I, I learned that a long time ago. We raised five kids. I'm not in control. We have 18 grandkids now. I am not in control. <clears throat> but uh, let me share a little bit how we came to this place. Um, we were married in 1980. I became a Christian in 85. That's when I was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And... Since then, we've tried to figure out how to follow the Great Commission. We ended up uh, in a small Christian and Mission Alliance church in the Bay Area, which really focuses on missionary work. So I thought early on in my Christian walk that Deb and I needed to go somewhere because it says, you know, there, go, make disciples. And in the Missionary Alliance, that's what you do. You, you go somewhere. You're plucked up. And I realized, and I said it jokingly in the first service, that uh, if everyone followed that, no one would be here. So it, I must have this wrong. And then um, someone smarter than me pointed out that you could also translate that, where, and wherever you're going, or as you are going, make disciples. And then it clicked for me. So I've tried to find convergence. I, I tried to find a way to be a disciple and make disciples wherever I'm going, in the workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my church, local church. Um, and that's how we proceeded. And it just seemed a very natural thing to open up our home. Um, with as many kids as we had, there was always other kids in the home. When we moved here in 2000, we started the taco night, as I said, in a way to keep the family together and more and more people started coming, and we recognized the fact that here's our making disciple opportunity. Um, and with as many grandkids as we now have, I mean, I have them living with me. <laughs> um, and, and now it's a, it's a mindset, it's a shift in your thinking from being concerned with the things of the world or focusing on the three things that are eternal, God, God's word, and people. So we've invested in people, God, God's word. And that has led us to what we do now, opening up our home, extending hospitality in a way that you just don't find anymore, showing people what a family really looks like and letting them know you're a part of our family even if you weren't born into it. We adopt people. We have a whole lot of adopted sons and daughters in our home. Not formally, but spiritually. Um, and as I said earlier, we look at everybody as either a seeker or a believer. And it really doesn't matter. Everyone's on this journey toward Christ one way or another. And we're there to help them along. And as I've said, people don't 
at first believe what you say, they believe what you do. So they observe us, they see what we're about, and then they're able to open up. And we're opening up. And when they want to know why you're like this, how do you do this, we can tell them it's all because of Jesus who lives in here. So the cost is this. It's we had to relinquish some of the things that we used to do, some of the things we used to invest in, which had nothing to do with building the kingdom. Um, so everything now is kingdom-focused, kingdom values. Uh, the church is the gathered, those who are gathered. It's not this building. It's you all. And when we're in my home, it's us. That's the church. So, I mean, everything changed. How we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we choose to invest in. I guess that's the cost. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, the joy of the Holy Spirit within you and following his will and seeing him at work, building the kingdom, I don't know of anything better. That's, that's life. That's love. That's joy. That's what you receive. Yes, there's times when it's difficult because people are difficult and people are messy and life can be messy. Uh, I said earlier that you know we're told to walk this narrow, straight path, but it goes like this often. It gets, it goes in often directions you don't, you don't perceive. I guess giving up your time. You know, uh, when I first became a Christian, I was so regimented, I had a day timer. I planned out every 15 minutes. And I quickly learned that doesn't work. <laughs> you have to build in time for the unexpected. And you have to be willing to give of your time for the unexpected. So rather than be annoyed with it, I view it as, oh, God's at work. This is where he wants me right now. And I just accept that, and I move with it, and I'm usually blessed by it. That's really awesome. I'm assuming that tacos help open doors as well. <laughs> you would, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't believe If you like food, and I'm a cook, a really good one, you come to my house. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's really cool. You know, I... I it, it does feel very much like the, the way of Jesus... Again, not to have some place that we extract people to, but we bring people in where we are. And, and that, that seems to be really what the heart of Jesus is. You know, and there's a real simple thing that everyone can learn to do, and it's just listen. Hmm. I, I, I could tell you story after story after story of people who were blessed by the fact that all I did was listen. Hmm. And I spent hours you know, on taco yeah. nights cooking. And then I come, and then they come back to me later and say, mm -hmm. "Thank you. Yeah, you made a big difference, and and their lives are changed." That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Tom, um, as you as you have had this um, this really cool um, uh, and I don't know, just awakening of discipleship and and even equipping people to to make disciples and for you to be making disciples. How is that fleshing out for you? Like, what kind of things are are you doing, how is God using you in this? Because, you know, part of faithfulness is obedience. So it's not just that you learn something from this guy down the street, but you're actually stepping into it. Yeah, as I shared earlier, earlier I was, I've been very comfortable here, you know, or in my home. Um, and loving people here, but not going out and doing anything. 
And uh, so, uh, interestingly enough, while I was going through this process after meeting my neighbor down the street, my brother calls me and says, hey, how about helping us on Monday nights serve food to those over at uh, Ralston Tower? And I said, okay, I was just, here we go, you know? So I started meeting new people up on the third floor, that was my floor, delivering food uh, each Monday and getting to know people uh, that uh, definitely needed the, the love of Jesus in their life. They're going through very difficult times. And uh, just through the delivery of a meal and asking the Lord to bless them and praying for them, asking them if there's specific, specific things that I could be praying for them about type of thing, and then seeing them each week and getting caught up with what's going on in their life is has been very special to them. Uh, I've tried to even go to the point of seeing if they'd like to meet the next morning downstairs with me and just talk about life and getting to know some of the other people on the third floor. And some have expressed an interest to do that. But I showed up three weeks in a row, and every time they say they'd come, they wouldn't come. So there's a little bit of learning curve on my part that I'm trying to get a little bit too fast with some of these folks. So um, we'll see how that goes as I continue to do that ministry. So that was one area where I went out. Uh, another ministry opportunity that came up for me was getting to know the executive director at the Redwood Family Center and their staff, their managers over there. Redwood Family Center ministers to women who are coming out of drug dependency and al alcohol, uh, losing their kids as a result of their lifestyle, uh, being ordered by the court to either get some, some tr into some program to help them so if they want to get their kids back type of a thing. So that's what they're all about. And uh, I, uh, through the training that I received from my neighbor, I said, I would love, love to pass on something to you and your, your managers over at Redwood that they could be passing on to the rest of the staff who could pass that on to the clients that they have in each of their facilities that they own. And uh, so that started a couple of weeks ago and uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, they have embrace that. You can just see light bulbs turning on in their head. The executive director who says, I need growth in this area as well personally is, he's just way, way up there as far as excitement about uh, raising the temperature level of the spiritual inf influence that they really want to have in the lives of these women that they minister to. So, so that's been cool. That's awesome. And then the more recent thing was... Um, uh, my neighbor down the street and I investigated getting involved in a, a, a jail ministry to where we could disciple people in the, in the county jail. And uh, so we went through a little bit of a lengthy process in getting that started, but that started a couple of weeks ago for me as well. So I've got a couple inmates that I'm pouring my life into. One is already pouring his life into the other guys in his pod, his cellmates. And uh, so he's doing Bible studies with them and and uh, teaching him that some of the things that, that I'm showing him how to go about doing that. And then another guy that's locked up in a cell, just he and another guy. And uh, so uh, just having involved, getting involved in their lives. It's been pretty cool. And that's all, you do all that stuff online. Do that online, yeah. 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 You meet with them on like Zoom or something like that. It's not Zoom, it's a pretty secure type of a thing. Sure. That, I thought uh, Zoom was secure. <laughs> it probably <laughs> might be a little bit secure. But the, this one is very secure, yes. Right, right. Yeah. That, that's, that's really cool. So, I mean, even for you, it's, it's fleshed out in your obedience to Jesus, in um, equipping others to make disciples, and you making disciples at the same time. Yeah, I want to be as strategic as I can yeah. on, on who, I, who I'm going to invest my time with, because I, 
yeah. through the training that I've received, I, I'm able to train others, to train others, to train others, and hopefully yeah. that just keeps trickling down the line yeah. to where we can see multiple, more of a multiplication type of an effect rather than just me staying with one person for a long time. Yeah, yeah so our, a lot of times our concept of getting older and, and like growing into each next season is that we kind of you know increase in responsibility and busyness, busyness, and then you get to a place where you get to let that go and you then are no longer busy and you get to kind of coast and rest. So for you, especially being, being an occupational pastor for much of your life and being in business and all of that, but now in your retirement, um, what would you say, and even thinking about, you know, this is the ministry I did as a pastor and this is, this is what I'm doing today, um, it almost sounds like you're doing more and in, in, I don't know, maybe even in, from some perspectives, even more effective ministry now than when you were getting paid to do it. Yeah, I'm not going to diminish the ministry that I had with the, with the kids and their parents that I had over the years and, and it, toward the end of my ministry here with some of the adult stuff that I did. Uh, but uh, right now, I can tell you I am experiencing more fruit in my life personally and seeing fruit outside as well uh, than ever before. So uh, I'm more excited now and look, continue to look for more ways and opportunities to do that. I've got the margin to do that. My golf game is going way down, you know. <laughs> But the rest of life is going way up. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and I and I think part of that is not again not to diminish ministry that we get paid to do, but I think there is oftentimes some kind of mental block of, well, if I'm not in ministry, I can't do the things that ministers do. But really, um, you are having, like you said, you are seeing more fruit in your life and in. Um, the impact on others today than you even did when you were kind of sent to do that professionally. And, and, I, and I think that's, that's part, I, I think that is how Jesus, how God has constructed this whole thing. That's why we are a priesthood of believers, that we don't have to be occupational or paid, that God calls us to do ministry. I mean, you're basically a pastor of a, of a home church. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you are, yeah, not basically, you are. Um, and you're, you're here with us as, as a gathered home churches, maybe. I mean, what, what, it would be incredible if, if we as a church, even, even a fraction of us, started doing things where we opened up our home to our neighbors and our coworkers and our, 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 those that we go to school with, and we started doing things like this, that we were a, a network of, of places where ministry happens in our home, in the community, and then we gathered together as a group of people to share those stories and be encouraged and to celebrate and worship together and pray together and make sure that we're, we're on track and accountable. Like, what an incredible thing. And that sounds like something in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I operate out of my gifting, which is a shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife and I together operate out of our gifting to offer a hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Put that together and we have, it, it just works. Yeah. We have a vision for exactly what you just said. And we're hopeful that through this gathered body that we can see it happen, that yeah. we can meet with others who are inspired to do something yeah quite similar. Now, not the same thing. You don't have to have a taco night. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is he works with you and who you are. Yeah. And we re and, and I think a movement like this requires creativity. Mm. Absolute must. Yeah. There are ways that God is going to move 
within this body that I couldn't even think of. They're going to reach out through their home to people in ways I can't imagine. And that's fantastic. That's what we need. And so I'm very encouraged today uh, that we'll see more daughter church, what I call daughter churches, springing up connected to this one in homes, in apartments, in dorms, wherever you are living. This can be replicated. And it doesn't have to be exactly what we do. It should be who, it should be a, it should look like who you are. That's the easiest way, I think, to go about it, is wherever you're going, remember the Great Commission, wherever you're going, make disciples. So wherever you're at, you can do this. It just takes a little creativity, and it takes a desire that I think comes from the Holy Spirit to reach out uh, and make this happen. And I think that's what's happened in our history, right? Our 2,000 years history. We found ways to bridge the gap, to, to reach out to people and bring them out of darkness and into light. And we're going to continue. But in the culture we live today, if we want to see a cultural shift, and I think we do, if we want to reach more hearts for people, I think it's far more effective to begin to look at all of ourselves as missionaries. You might not be a missionary overseas. You're a missionary right here. We're becoming less and less Christian in this nation. And I can reach people in my home that will never come in here. Not until after they know Jesus. Yeah. So, like, I could start, like, a chicken fettuccine Alfredo night at my house. And if that's you, right, then right. you do that. <laughs> that's going to be rough. Hey, um, I'll give you some other ideas. <laughs> Quilting. Qu- working on cars. I'm a big quilter. Yeah, I can tell. I'm a big quilter. I've made, I've, I can't even count how many quilts I've made with various random patches of fabric. Anyway. What, whatever um, you enjoy doing. <laughs> if you enjoy that, go ahead. Uh, so, Tom, you have always loved people. Um, but what you've found and what you've described is just this next piece of stepping into um, moving people toward Jesus in a very intentional, loving way. And I think, you know, you've always been a shepherd of people. Um, and while we might have slight disagreement, I just think that God's planted evangelism in you, and he's just kind of bringing that out now. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, even just your conversations with people are different now than they were before. And just share, just as we kind of wrap this up, share a little bit about that, because I think oftentimes it's hard for us because we go, and we can be nice to people, but what's the point of being nice if it doesn't lead people to Jesus? I mean, it's good to be nice, but anyone can be nice. You can be nice without the Holy Spirit. It's, it's leading people toward Jesus. Discipleship really is taking anyone and pointing them th- toward loving and obeying Jesus. And so for you, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to do that, but you've kind of seen some things that you've, you've done intentionally that have been really helpful. Yeah, one of the things that I learned just in this last year is that when I'm out, out and about uh, on the go and you come across somebody that you can strike up a conversation with and uh, learn a little bit about that person, let them l- learn a little bit about you, is to how do I bring the Lord into the conversation? How do I bring something spiritual into the situation? And for me, because I'm a believer and I'll, I'll typically bring Christ in the conversation because he's a big part of who I am, uh, and then that can lead to a question to the other person. So what is your spiritual background? And that's a pretty non-threatening question that you can ask to somebody. What's your spiritual background? And I have yet to have a person be offended with that question. And they always have an answer. One was nothing. 
but the majority of them have some sort of spiritual background, and that leads into further conversation about faith that might open up doors uh, later on. So. Yeah, and you were sharing that the guy that you that said, I have no spiritual background, yeah. he actually was kind of interested, and then you have lunch with him. He wanted to have lunch yeah, and talk yeah, further. Yeah, the, the interesting thing, uh, I was playing in a golf tournament, and uh, after the second day of the golf, golf tournament, he ended up sitting at the table where we, we were having the lunch and afterwards. And uh, so it's just he and I having this conversation. So I got to tell him basically my testimony and how God has changed me at the age of 20 into being a follower of Jesus. And and even was a pastor for a period of time. He became a pastor at the age of 50. He found that pretty interesting. Interesting. He was a businessman, and, and which I was a businessman, so he was relating that until I got to that little, you know, bit. And so I, you know, when the conversation was over and it was time to go, and he says, you know, I'd like to get to talk to you a little bit later. And I said, great. Uh, so he, maybe we could do lunch or go play golf together sometimes. Fantastic. Well, we didn't exchange contact information. So, but I knew who his playing partner was, who was a friend of the guy, my playing partner. So roundabout, I got his phone number and texted him. This was a, maybe a couple weeks later. You remember me, you know, I'm Tom, and I play golf, and, and uh, you expressed an interest that to get together. And he uh, says, I'm ready when you are. That's awesome. And then I set the text off, and it was crickets for like two or three weeks. And he got back to me and he says, okay, let's do this. So now we just need to set up a time to do that. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And, and, I, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's just sometimes we make it, build it out to be more complicated than we need to. And it, it can be as simple as what's your spiritual background? And that's not even a, that's not even a pointed thing. Um, people are pretty familiar with spirituality. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's really cool. I, I, just, I just really appreciate um, Leroy and Tom sharing uh, a little bit about what God's been doing. And, and hopefully, as we've been talking about us as priest disciples making priest disciples, that this is maybe helpful. And again, as we've talked about, it's not, it's not that you do exactly what they've done, but we're all called to be doing these things in different ways. And so I just, I just, I would love for us to just appreciate um, just Leroy and Tom coming up here. And so let's just appreciate them for uh, sharing this morning. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things, again, here at Crosspoint that we've been doing with a greater degree of frequency is, is communion together. And, and um, I really believe that Jesus had this vision, and he even speaks about it in John 17, but, but Jesus just had this vision of his family being a family. The things that Tom and Leroy, Leroy have been describing are things that Jesus prayed for. Like, they are answering the prayer of Jesus. They are an answer to Jesus' prayer. And we can all be that in, in however we choose, however we obey what the Spirit calls us to do. And so right now, hopefully you, you grabbed some communion elements as you, as you came in this morning. And we're going to spend some time, the, the worship team's going to come back up and kind of lead us in, in worship. And, and what Jesus invited us into as his people was to make disciples. No excuses. If there's a 13-year-old boy across the globe doing what he's doing, I have no excuse not to be doing that. And I get that we're busy and it's hard, but we also make choices. 
And I think, you know, Leroy was sharing a, a change of perspective and a change of value and a change of lifestyle. And even Tom said his golf game has suffered. Um, it seems like while maybe the world makes that a big deal, that doesn't seem like a huge price to pay for people to see Jesus and experience Jesus through your interaction in their, in their lives. It doesn't seem like a great cost, a great price for us to pay. And, and so when Jesus was there with his disciples, his family, he, he, took, he took the bread and he said, you are not going to have to go about this alone. You're not going to have to sacrifice alone. You're not going to have to feel awkward alone because, because here's, here's, here's something that I want you to know. This is, this is my body that was broken for you. I was broken first. And whatever it takes, maybe, it, maybe there's things that need to be broken in my life, in your life, in order to step into the ministry that Jesus has for you as a priest, as a priest disciple. And Jesus said, this is my body that was literally broken for you so that you can have life, so that you can share the message of life. And he took the cup and he said, this is, this is my blood that was shed for you. And I want you to shed your blood for others. I want you to go and, and let others know that there is salvation, there is there's wholeness, there is redemption, there is restoration. And so as the worship team is leading us in, in, in worship and, and they are singing to and with us, um, I would encourage you at some point in the next few minutes to, to take communion. And I would encourage you not to do that just maybe alone, but, but maybe with the person sitting next to you. Or if you're sitting alone, maybe walk over to where someone is. And during this time, just, just even take those elements and just speak words to one another. And even saying something like, this is the Lord's body and blood that was shed for you because he loves you and he's calling you into ministry with him. He's calling you on mission. And because of, of, of his work, that gives us the greatest confidence that we can do his work without fear or concern or compromise. So let's worship together and let's take communion as Jesus modeled it for us with his disciples. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.